We are on week two of our series, Simple Relationships. Uh, last week, we, we, we kicked it right off with probably one of the biggest components of every relationship, and that's commitment. You know, the, every relationship requires that. At some point, um, we, we are committed to that person. We're committed to that relationship. We're, we're committed to seeing it all the way through. And, and so today, we're going to talk about a second component of just the, you know, of relationships and, and that every single relationship will have in your life that's healthy. And it's going to be a, a line of communication. We're, we're talking. We're connecting. We're, and, and what does that really even mean? You know, how... Uh, there's a lot of different types of communication in the 21st century. You know, you roll the clock back a few hundred years, and, and it was kind of like it was old school. I wish we could go back to that, to that time, right? Um, before the phones and before digital everything, really, uh, you, you just talked face-to-face like we're talking now. And, but things have changed. And so in our, 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 our key verses are in Romans 12 for this series, this three-week series. Next week, we're going to... We're going to um, land the plane. But in Romans 12, the, the writer is, 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 you know, the first part of, the, of chapter 12 of the book of Romans. He talks about laying our life down, laying our everyday life, our relationships our, uh, at, on, at the job, our relationships at home, taking every aspect of our life and laying it down, which is like our good and perfect, pleasing, the pleasing will of God is to take everything we have and place it at the feet of God and say, just do with it what you want. And relationships fit into those. And I think a key component is when we, when we give our relationships to God, when we commit them to his care, he can do incredible things with them. But then he goes on, and, and last week we won't reread those verses, but he, he defines love. He uses a few different words for love. Philadelphia, he uses the word agape, which is probably the most popular one. And so he's using different words, and we talked about that last week. But in verse 14, he really gets down to the way that we talk to folks. He says, bless those, Romans 12, bless those who persecute you, criticize you. They're critical. Bless them. Don't curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice Cry with those who cry. But here's the key, verse 16. Live in harmony. Come on, so just, can you say harmony? Harmony. Live in, live in harmony with one another. Anybody need some harmony in your relationships? I'm going to try to help this morning. Live in harmony. Don't be proud. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited and so let's talk about that for a few moments what does it mean to communicate and to really connect on a level where things begin to happen right to connect on a level with somebody where there's a connection there's a transfer that takes place there's there's life that begins to flow from your conversation into the next person Nicholas Carr wrote a book called The Shallows a few years ago. And the subtitle of the book is What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. It's a pretty incredible book if you, have, if you want to check it out. But the whole concept of this book is what, what is modern technology and communicating via text and phones and that type of medium, what is it doing to relationships? And he found that it's not helping them at all. 
He found that, that in, you know, the, the average person now is connected to thousands of people. You probably, if you're under 30 in here, <laughs> you, you've probably got you know, a few thousand people that you're connected with. If it's on Facebook or all the other awesome TikTok, Snapchat, we got a lot of different ways to talk with people. But the thing about those types of, of communication is they're, they're very shallow, he compares it to going to the, the Great Barrier Reef. I've never been. It's on my bucket list. If you've, if you've gone, I heard it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's the largest reef in the world. Hundreds, I mean, it's over 100,000 miles of reef. Beautiful. But he says it would be like going to the Great Barrier Reef and hopping on a jet ski and driving like 80 miles an hour over the Great Barrier Reef and saying, hey, I went and visited the Great Barrier Reef last week, and I drove over all 100,000 miles of it, but never really actually seeing it. And he says what technology has done is it's, 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 it's given us the ability to communicate with a lot of people really quickly, but there's no depth. And imagine saving your whole life to go check this Great Barrier Reef out and getting on a jet ski and driving over it, never putting on a mask and going deep. And seeing the world that's underneath the surface. And we do this with our relationships every day. And this is what social media has made super easy. That we can connect on a super shallow artificial level. Quick and fast. With lots of people. But there's really nobody that's going deep with us. There's really nobody that, that sees the inside and, and has went down to the depths to see what all is inside of it. One of the things John Wesley is famous for, for saying when he would sit down with someone, is he would ask, how is your soul? And it would immediately take the conversation to, 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 to depths. How is your soul? What's really going on? And in that book, The Shallows, Nicholas Carr says, once I was a scuba diver in a sea of words, now... I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. <laughs> and so how do we go deep? You know, I, there's, there's a hundred versions of this. Um, there's a lot of different ways to explain it. And I, I wanted to give you the one that kind of has stuck with me. And I just recently learned this last year, so I wanted to try it out. But I think there's different levels of communication. I think we all see that in our life. The best way I've heard it put is in three different categories. The most shallow category was, would be anti-penultimate conversation or surface conversation. All right, we're just, if I run into you at Walmart, how you doing? Good. How's your, how's, how's your mom and them? Oh, they good, you know. How's the dog? He's good. You know, how's, how's it? Just, just, just surface communication. How's your team doing, right? How's, how's everything going at, at work? You know, so we're, we're talking, but it's, very, it's just chit-chat. We're not going any deeper than that. It's very surface. It's, it's just casual. I think the second, second level is anti-penultimate. And this would be kind of, we're, 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 we have some conversation with substance now. We're talking about facts. We're exchanging information. We're going a little deeper than how's, how's your mom. Well, mom, she's, you know, pray for her. She's got some stuff going on. And now we're exchanging information. Oh, what's, what's going on? Well, she's, you know, she's got to go to the doctor. And, she's, and so we're, we're exchanging information. Now, here's the reality. A lot of people don't do that right there very often. I know you, you may have a lot of friends and a lot of people that you're talking about those types of things with, just what's going on in your life. But you know there's a lot of, a lot of lonely people in the world right now. As connected as we are, I mean, I can know what you, you had for lunch yesterday, 
but I may have no idea what's really going on in your life. And so this, 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 this uh, penultimate conversation is where we're, we're exchanging ideas now, we're talking, but then there's this third level, and this is where I want to try to go today and give you some tools to try to go there. It's called the like, ultimate conversations. This is soul level stuff. This is where you're, you're sharing deep needs, deep feelings, deep emotions, not just what's going on in your life, but how it's affecting you. I'm not just sharing that my boss at work is crazy and I think he needs to find something else to do. I'm sharing how that's affecting my, my home life. I'm not just sharing how strapped I am at school and I've got 23 exams coming up and I'm, I'm staying up all night studying and I'm trying to cram all this in. I'm sharing that, but then I'm also sharing what it's doing to my relationships at college and, and my relationships with my mom. I haven't talked to mom or dad on the phone in a while. I'm, I'm too busy. It's, it's deep, ultimate conversations where there's 100% transparency, there's 100% honesty, and it's a place where we can share what's really going on inside of our lives. And I know that's rare and people don't like to do it. And I think, you know, one of the reasons we don't like to do it is because we've done it before and somebody used it against us. Or we've done it before and somebody just, we, we, right, we, we put our heart on our, on our sleeve and then somebody just smushed it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, we shared something sensitive. We shared something that we didn't want to share, we, we really were honest with somebody and they, they hurt us with it. Or they reshared it to somebody else so that they could pray for you, right? Come on now, you know that, that's, a, that's like a gossip mill right there. You better be careful with that. But it's confidential. It's a siloed place where I can share and I know what I'm sharing with this person. They will take it to the grave. And this is what we really, this is what we need in our relationships. We can have 10,000 shallow connections. We can have a million followers. We can have all of that. But if we're missing that piece, that's these ultimate conversations, these substance of, with core where we're really sharing what's going on in our lives, it's hard to go a whole lot deeper with anybody if we're not willing to do that. If we're not willing to be open to that. And so I want to share a few barriers to, to actually, well, I feel like to, to going deep in these conversations. And I didn't come up with these. Um, these are four barriers to communication. A guy named Gary Smalley came up with these, and he's, uh, he's got a few books on communication and relationships, but he calls them four barriers to communication. When we're really trying to connect with somebody and we hit, we hit the rocks, we hit something that, that, you know, that is kind of in the way of really connecting or communicating. And the first thing he says, this is a barrier to communication. It's just plain out right withdrawal. We just pull away from the person. I think we've all been there. We've all done that. Especially if you're, if you're, if you're married, right, and you've got, that, you've got a spouse, and it's the silent treatment. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We got an argument. Now, we're going we're gonna to play a game. We're going to see who cannot talk to the other person for the longest amount of time. And that translates into touching too, like, like you know, like you know, if that if if that carries on all the way to the nighttime, we're not we're not we're like you're on your side of the bed, I'm on my side of the bed, we're not we're not touching, we're not sharing anything. It's just the it's the the silent treatment. The, some of the best advice I've ever been given, mar marital advice, is don't go to bed angry, right? Don't go to bed with this withdrawal happening where we're not we're not talking. We're not communicating. And I think we do this all the time. We pull away from the person that we, we really, you know, we really need to be able to talk to. 
We really need to be able to, to lean into. I heard a, a story about a husband and wife, and they, were, they had they'd gotten in an argument, and they weren't talking. And so they were just writing letters, writing little notes, post-it notes. They weren't talking at all. And so the husband had to get up for work the next morning on a business trip, had to catch a flight at 6. So he put a little note on the counter in the bathroom and said, can you please wake me up? I have a flight at 6. And so the husband, you know, he woke up the next morning, 9 a.m., he looked over, and on the side, it said, hey, it's 6 a.m., wake up. <laughs> a little post-it note on it on the side of the bed. But withdrawal, it's a barrier. It's a barrier to communication, isn't it? It's like we know we need to talk. We know that a conversation can help this. I think it's Patrick. Uh, he wrote the book, The Advantage and the Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I can't remember his last name. Patrick Lee Lincioni. He says that the success in your relationships can be measured by the amount of difficult conversations you're willing to have. And the withdrawal just delays it, right? When you really got something deep going on and you know you got to talk about it and you got to get through it, if you just leave it alone, you may distance yourself from the problem, but I feel like it just goes underground. And it stirs and it stews. Come on, right? And then by the time you get back to it, you want to believe it's fixed itself, but it hasn't. It's like a, like, a, like, a, like a bad tooth or something or a cavity. You can ignore it for a while, but eventually you gotta, you're going to have to deal with it. It's a withdrawal. Withdrawal is the first barrier. The second one is escalation. And I think we've all been there. <laughs> That's when it gets a little heated. That's when we're talking, and, and now we're talking so seriously about something, or we're both so passionate about something, I'm going to keep raising my level of my voice because what I am saying is more important than what you're saying. And it just does this, you know, it just escalates, and now we're, we're, we're hollering, we're shouting, we're trying to get our point across. I can't remember where I read this again, I, I, but it's there. It's science. I think science backs up the Bible. But they did a study on, um, you know, they, they hooked up a bunch of uh, people to these heart rate machines and had them basically argue. And they, they, they found that when a man's heart rate gets over like 100 beats per minute, they have completely checked out. They can't hear a word. <laughs> you know, they said, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking myself here, but, but I, I know, I know when I get there and I know it's time for me to take a walk, you know. Goose fraba. You know, y'all ever, you know what I'm talking about? I'm gonna take a walk. I'm gonna chill for a little bit. Let's let's come back. I'm not withdrawing forever, all right? We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this later, but but this is escalated to the point now where we're both fighting and, and so next week, that's the next week is conflict. So I wanna save that for, for next week. And I'm gonna give you some four ways to, to help you navigate conflict. And and so that was the second one. He, he says escalation. The third one is belittling. That's just criticizing somebody. We're in a conversation where I'm trying to connect with the person. And, and when, you, when the, the criticism begins, the, you know, the Bible calls it biting and devouring one another. He says, y'all are all together and you can't get along and you're just talking about each other. Now you're criticizing each other. I mean, the Bible compares it to cannibalism. It says you're just hurting yourself. Criticism, belittling. I've heard criticism is, is when somebody can't, Get on the level you're on. They just try to pull you down to where they are. They belittle you. They try to make you smaller because you challenge them or you intimidate them for some reason. And, and so it's a barrier to communication. Nobody wants to talk to somebody who's critical. Come on. 
Nobody wants to talk to somebody who's, who's belittling them. Nobody wants to talk to someone who's always putting them down. I heard another story about a married couple driving through the country, and there was goats and horses, and they came across. There was this big field. There was all these pigs everywhere, and the couple had, you know, clearly they were driving together, so they were fighting. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And the wife said, looked at the, the field full of pigs and said, are those your relatives? The husband said, yeah, in-laws. <laughs> but when it gets to that point, y'all, it's better just to, let's just go ahead and back up a little bit. We're criticizing, we're belittling. And here's the fourth one, which I think is the most damaging, and it's false belief. This is when we, begar- we begin to, to start lying. We begin to start saying things that aren't true, like you always leave the milk out really every time i've gotten i've drinking milk out of the carton i leave it on the counter every time you know like no, no but you, know, you always are you never and so we want to try to avoid words like that and because our words are powerful and when we when we say them it's like an aerosol can you know like you ever said something and as soon as it was coming out of your mouth you knew that this is a I wish I could just put that back in, you know, like, can I, can I take that back? And, and so the Bible is really strong about the language around our words, really strong about being intentional. If there's a word that I could give you for today, it's intentionality. When it comes to what you say and, and, and the words that you speak into the, the people that you love, the, the relationships that you value, the, the Bible is, is, it's got a lot of weight around it. I want to read this. It's it's the message translation, Matthew 12, verse 36. It says, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words, it's going to come back. There's going to come a time of reckoning. Jesus is is, is saying there's going to be an inventory of your words. Old old, uh, Bishop G.E. Patterson, I loved him. Church of God in Christ pastor. He used to sing a song. It was called, Oh, My Record. We'll be there. And he's right. According to Jesus, there's every word, every word. There's going to be a time of reckoning. And then he goes on, he says, words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. So that's heavy, y'all. I know that's heavy. But I wanted to bring some weight to the subject this morning. Because I think it's, it's, we live in a day where people are not putting a lot of intention around their words. They're just letting it fly. And we all, and it's almost entertaining. I will get on social media just to read the comments. I mean, you don't even have to pay for comedy anymore. I mean, you just get on there and you start reading and, and the, the stuff that people will say about strangers. Never met anybody, this per, you know, just just... And so I think that we, number one, we can't take the model of the world when it comes to the way that we, we speak and communicate to one another. We can't take that pattern. You know, we, I think when we look at the way that it's happening now and the way that it happens all around us and what we see, we know that, that there's got to be a better way to communicate. And I'm finding with relationships in my life and I'm, I, I, that if, if I'm not getting a lot of encouragement in my life or I feel like, man, I just I wish 
the people in my life would encourage me a little more. I'm, 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 I'm discouraged. I wish I could get a little more encouragement out of my friends or out of the relationships that I really hold dear in my life. When I get to that point, and I have, I've found that if, if I want to reap encouragement, the best way to reap encouragement is to sow it. If I'm lacking encouragement in my life, if you're lacking encouragement in your life right now and it feels like nobody in your life is building you up, go find somebody else to build up. If you feel like nobody is speaking life to you, it's just criticism all the time, it's just critical words all the time, go find a random stranger and just be nice to them. I mean, real practical. When you leave here and go and eat, that waiter or waitress that has been working their tail off trying to make ends meet, trying to work in a, in a time where uh, you can't, you know, it's, it, that is a real hard line of work. It's always been a hard line of work. It's real hard. Now, just a, a simple thank you. You're doing a good job. Because in relationships I'm seeing in my life, I reap what I sow. And if I'm reaping criticism all the time, if I'm reaping that into the relationships in my life, I'm going to sow that. Now, it's not every time. Right? You can take a whole handful of seeds and throw them in the ground and some are going to plant and some are going to come up and give a great harvest and some are going to stay in the ground. So I, 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 there's, a, there's a bit of this that we hold in a mystery. But Galatians says it like this, the person who plants selfishness, all my conversations are about what I can get from that person. Ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God, the person that lives that way harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll, show, all he'll have to show for his life is wheat. It's no substance. There's no depth. But the one who plants in response to God, the one who plants life, who sows into the relationships around him, letting God's spirit do this growth work inside of them, harvests a crop of real life and eternal life. That's what I want for my relationships. I know that's what you want for yours. And so I want to just very quickly... I don't want to give you a lot of things to not do or start doing kind of thing. I want to give you seven ways I believe that we can, we can sow life into our relationships. Seven things. I didn't come up with these. I want to be real straightforward. A guy named Jimmy Evans who's been talking about healthy relationships longer than I've been alive came up with these. And he, he shared these at a marriage conference. I thought they were good. Um, if, if you're taking notes, you can write, jot these down. If you're not taking notes... Go ahead and jot these down. Uh, the easiest way is probably just to text, honestly. You are Sunday to 97,000, but these, these are in the notes. And so seven things that will help build up the relationships in your life, sow life into those relationships. Number one, the first thing is I can use my words for good when I praise the people that are important to me. Not the way that we praise God. That word praise just means to express approval or admiration. I'm going to highlight the qualities in your life. I'm going to look for the good. I'm going to focus on those things. Man, I, I think our whole life in, in the relationship world would change if we could just do that one thing with people. Now, it's hard to do, and I know all of you have different, different relationships with different people, right? Your boss is not paying you to praise the employees that work for you, right? I'm sure he is at some point, or he, she is at some point, but, but there's things that you have to address. There's things that you have to talk about. But if we, can, if we can find the good in people, 
If we can focus on, on, on hot, like, like being gold diggers, come on, and, and, instead of finding what's wrong and the coal that's in people, but, but trying to find the treasure, trying to find the good. I know the people that did that for me in my life. It's inc- I wouldn't be here without that. Proverbs 25, verse 11, a word aptly spoken like, is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So think about that. He's describing these words that add life and value as apples of gold and settings of silver, basically meaning my, my words are beautiful and they're valuable. I'm adding to people. I'm, I'm highlighting their qualities. That's, that's number one. The second thing is just thanksgiving. I think that, that you could also substitute that with just gratefulness. Gratefulness. Before I tell you, hey, you were three minutes late and your shirt's not tucked in and your breath kind of stinks, before I say that, I'm going to say, hey, I'm glad you showed up today. Thanks for coming to work. But by the way, you look like a butt hit you. And I don't know, I'm just kidding. No. But, but let's start with gratitude. Come on, somebody. Let's start with, with thankfulness. Let's, let's, let's try to be grateful. Let's try to be thankful. I've, I've, I've shared this several times, but it's a, I think it's a really good ratio. Can I give five compliments to every one criticism? Can I do that? The people in my life, especially, if, I mean, this works everywhere, really works within a marriage relationship. Can I give five compliments to, to every one correction? And guys, don't see them all at, you know, at one time at night, right, before you go to sleep. You know, spread them out through the day. But just gratefulness, highlighting those qualities, being thankful, being grateful. First Thessalonians chapter 5, give thanks in all circumstances. If I can sow it, I'll reap it, right? If I can sow it, if I can sow thankfulness, I'm going to reap it. If I can sow praise, if I can highlight the qualities of, in, of the people in my life that God has connected me with, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reap that. The third thing, affection. These are simple. How do I build the relationships in my life? How do I, how do I strengthen them? How do I get them healthy? I show affection. I tell people I love them. I know that's hard for some people. It's hard for me for a long time. It's going to depend on what you heard growing up. If you didn't hear it a lot growing up, you're not going to say it a lot. But I, I think that we've gone beyond the point of, well, the people in my life know I love them. They just know it. They just know it, right? Hard love, tough love. They, they know I love them. I mean, I, I, go to, I, I go to this job every day. And I put roof over their head. And, and I get it. There's that, that, I mean, I know that there's times where, that expresses love, but, but there's, there's, I don't know if there's a better way to tell somebody or let somebody you know them by just, you love them by just saying it. Affection. Jesus needed this. You're like, Jesus didn't need anything. Well, I think he needed this. I think he, I think he did. When he was baptized in the River Jordan and he come up out of the river, there was a dove that appeared over his head we have this picture of the Trinity. We have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and then it says that God the Father spoke in that moment when Jesus was baptized. And he said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And right in the heart of those three statements is affection. It's this is my Son. That's approval. 
He's, he's mine. He's got my name. And who I'm well pleased. This is, that's, a, that's affection. I love him. I, he, he pleases me. We, we are, we are we're tight. And then hear him as affirmation. The second time that God the Father spoke to his son was the Mount of Transfiguration. He said the same thing. This is my son in who I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And so we, we need affection in our life. It's like oxygen. And so, again, it's hard to give something that we didn't get. I get that. It's hard to, to get into this rhythm of, or, or even in a habit of telling the people, if you don't already do that in your life, that you love them. But I, I think, y'all, I think life is too short not to. I know my brother, my mom, my family, we say it every time I get off the phone. We've always done that. I don't know why. Because they just don't know. And so affection is expressed. You know, it's something that we have to be intentional about. It's something that we do. It's something that we say. Matthew, I already read that Jesus needed that from his father, I think, more than anything. Needed to know he was doing a good job. He needed to know that, that his dad was watching him, was looking down on him. He needed to know that he had what it took to go to, the, to the, the next few months of his life that were coming up. All of those things happened in this moment with Jesus. So Jesus needed it. We need it. The fifth thing is encouragement. Encouragement. We can all use encouragement every now and then. How do you know if somebody needs encouragement? Let me show you a trick. I'll show you this. This is an illustrated sermon. If you take your two fingers and just place them on their poles, this is how you know if somebody needs encouragement. Just fill their pole, fill their, their wrist, and fill their neck. If you feel something beaten, a pulse, then they probably need encouragement. Especially in the 21st century. So how do I know if somebody needs encouragement? If they're breathing. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what's helpful for what? Building others up. According to their needs. Why? That it might benefit those who listen. Encouragement. When I was in, in high school, it was, it was my junior year of high school, I uh, was a little rambunctious as a, as a kid in high school. And I had a, a love-hate relationship with the resource officer. And so the resource officer, that's the, 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 they have an officer at, at every high school. I think they do middle schools now. But they would have an officer there at the school. And um, uh, this, this officer just was, uh, apparently was real interested in me. I don't know why. Uh, could have been the, the stuff I was doing. But I, I'll never forget this one instance. I, I, he called me to his office. And again, I, I wasn't real fond of the resource officer at the time. And he called me into his office, and uh, this was my junior year of high school, and we're having a real serious talk. He's talking about, apparently he was following me, I don't know. I'm like, this guy's bugged my phone, because he knew a lot of stuff about me that I didn't know he knew. And he's talking about certain things, and I was doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, and I knew that. And he, he was just basically having an ultimate conversation with me. He said, Nathan, and I'll never forget this. I, again, I didn't really like this guy. <laughs> never had an officer say something nice to me, but he did. He said, I know what you're doing, Nathan, and that's not you. You're better than this. And I got up and left his office. And that was my, my junior year of high school, and that really changed. I know it was so simple, but I thought he just didn't like me. 
you know, because every time I was in his office, it was not good. But it's amazing how just one word, one line, can encourage someone. Just, just, just one word spoken at the right moment in somebody's life can, can cause them to decide to not go out and, and keep making stupid decisions. And your words are powerful. And, I, and you may not get encouragement a whole lot in your life, but I'm, I, want to, I want to challenge you to, in all of your relationships, try to sow it. Try to, try to sow it. Try, try to be the encourager. Try to be the, the tigger, y'all. You know what I mean? Try, try to be the, the one that's always seeing the good, that's always speaking life into people. That officer probably has no idea what he said. It, it put my life on a path to really start making better decisions. And it all came because the one person that was normally just there giving me rules and showing a lot of force encouraged me. I know a lot of you have that opportunity. I know you do. And you got to do your job. He did his job. He let me know exactly what was going to happen if I didn't make the right decisions uh, when I left that office. He, he, he painted a vivid picture of what my future would look like if I kept making the decisions that I was making. And he knew the house that we were doing it in and the address. But he left me with encouragement. The fifth thing, kindness. Kindness, man, kindness goes a long way in today's culture. Because you can be right and still be wrong based on the way that you say something. Right? And I, and I think it's almost more important. Kindness means when I have a conversation with you or my, or my, my words are not going to harm you. My, my words that I, I'm, I'm safe I'm a safe person to have a, talk, a conversation with. I'm not going to say anything that's going to that's going to cut you down or, or hurt you. It's 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 kindness. It's having conversations with kindness. That it's almost more important than being right. Because even if you are right, I'm 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 seeing now, especially especially in, in a in a close relationship or a marriage relationship, is you can you can win the fight, but you really lose. And you can win the argument and lose the person. And it's not worth it. And I think the overarching theme with all of these is that it, they take humility. They take, they take you know, taking take the high road. It's not easy to be nice, especially when somebody, you're not getting nice back, right? If I got nice back, I would be nice in return. But, but kindness, listen to this, Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs it up. Wall Street Journal in the, the paper this uh, over the weekend put out an article. It was called, Why Do We Shout When We Argue? It's a really good article, and I, and I wanted to put it in here because I, I, I couldn't believe uh, you know, what they found. They said, so they, they, again, uh, science backs up the Bible. They, they found that when somebody's arguing, when they're in, you know, in their the tones are elevated, heart rate's elevated, that, that the more assertive a person is, the less persuasive they become. It, like it has the opposite effect. That the louder I get, the more, you know, maybe harsh I get with my words or tone, it's actually, it's pushing that person farther away from me. 
They're, they're closing me out. They're not listening. They're, and so the, I thought the article was pretty awesome because a, a gentle conversation, a gentle word, kindness, oftentimes can open up the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and work. Some people will just say something to you just to see how you'll react. Or they'll say something harsh just to see what they can get in, in return. And when you're able to respond to something critical with kindness, so it's like putting heaps of coal on your enemy's head, right? Because they don't expect it. But it's what we've been called to do, kindness. The sixth one, we got, this is the last two here. The band could come on up. <laughs> this is really where I wanted to get this morning, and we're going we're gonna to pray. Truth in love. How do I build relationships in my life? How do I really, the ones that I know God has called me to, the ones that I know that I need to keep, how, how do I build those relationships? It's speaking truth in a spirit of love. It's being honest. It's being willing to say the things that maybe are uncomfortable. It's being willing to, to I don't know, Take the time to listen, but to really genuinely speak what is on your heart with somebody. And I think with relationships, that nothing ever gets better without honesty. And when the Bible calls us to, you know, this, this, this road of discipleship and this road of journeying together, what we hear over and over and over out of Jesus, but even out of the, our New Testament and the epistles and Paul's writings is, we've, is the truth in love. It's, it's saying the truth. It's not holding back from what we know is right, but it's speaking it out of a, out of a spirit of love. It's speaking it with that person's best interest in mind. It's being willing to say the hard things but to, but, to, but to wrap it in, in grace, right? John 1 describes Jesus. It says that he was full of grace and he was full of truth. And I think Jesus, he, he's our model. He mastered this with people. He would go and sit at a well with a stranger. And again, he knew everyone. When he looked into their eyes, he's seen their whole life. And he knew everything about that woman at the well and in her life and what had gotten her to that point that she'd had a few husbands and was in a, a, a bad relationship at the moment. He knew every bit of that and he spoke right. I mean, he, he, wasn't, he didn't skirt around it. He said, I, I know this about you. But there's a better way. Because God needs you. And this is what I want you to do. He, he, he spoke straight into her heart. It was truth and love. John 1 says Jesus is full of grace and he's full of truth. So which one is it? Is he all truth? Or is he all grace? I think he was a perfect combination of both. And when we are, are, are really operating in our relationships, I think the way that God has called us to is we're speaking truth and love to the people that we care about the most. It's gentle, right? It's kind. 
but we're able to speak the truth. We're able to connect on a level to where we can grow together. And then here's the last one. It's probably the most simple one, but I think it's one of the most important, and that's just to pray. How do I, how do I bring the life of God into the relationships that I need the most? It's grabbing that person's hand, putting your hand on their shoulder. If it's a, if it's a phone call, if it, it, whatever it may be, but it's saying, you know what? Even if we disagree, we can agree to disagree. Let's, let's pray. Let's, let's, that's inviting God into the situation. And we may have no common ground. We may not have anything that we agree on at this moment right now. But if we can just join hands and just, let's just invite the presence of the Holy into this moment right here. It's amazing what God can do like that. So this is what I want us to do. I want us as we close today, as we get ready, I want you to just take all the relationships in your life. And you may have a lot of really incredible life-giving relationships, and I'm so glad that you do. But you may have some that don't feel that way right now. They feel like work. Or they're, they're not life-giving. They're taking life from you. And I want us just to take these relationships and we're going to bring them to God together. And James 5, verse 16 says, if we, if we confess our faults one to another, we're honest. But then if we pray for each other, there's like a second part to that. If we can confess, if we can get real with one another, but then we're going to pray for one another. When we begin to do that, We'll see healing. We'll see healing in our relationships at home. We'll see healing in our relationships wherever they may be. So I want you just to close your eyes. We're going to pray. And I want you to just, to, just those relationships in your life, and it may not be one that you have. It may be a relationship or maybe a son or a daughter. It may be a relationship that they're in and you're praying for them. Or it may be a relationship at, at work and there's just a person that you work with and you just need to be able to get along with them. It could be your, your, your spouse that there's, you've hit some rocky ground and, and communicating is getting hard. Talking is getting hard. The, 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 the words just aren't, aren't there anymore. Could be a mom or a dad. I, I don't know, but just just sit right now in this moment, I want you to think about that person. If they're with you, take them by the hand. Put your hand around their shoulder. If it's a relationship that you want to deepen this morning, and so Lord, we take all of our relationships and we lay them at your feet. God, we give them to you. We believe that you're the healer, not only of our body. You're the healer of our soul, but you're the healer of our relationships. When they get damaged and broken, when the enemy comes in to destroy them like he did with, with Peter and, and Jesus, Jesus said, you know, the enemy wants you. He's, he desires you, but I've, I've prayed for you. That sometimes relationships get rocky, not because of anything you have done. It's just life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would protect 
the important relationships in our life. Lord, help us to guard them with care. Lord, help us to sow into them like it's a a precious garden in our backyard. Help us to sow good seeds, Lord. Help us to keep out the weeds and keep out the stuff that don't need to be in there. So, Lord, we open our heart this morning to you. We ask that the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts of every person, that, Lord, even in this moment now, God, that you would just, God, give us the words. If there's a relationship in here this morning that it feels like it's unreconcilable and you're here and you don't know if it's repairable. I want you to lay that relationship at the feet of Christ right now. Because I believe he's able to bring healing to bring peace where there may there hasn't been a peaceful conversation in years. Lord, we invite you into every relationship. God, we ask that your peace and your comfort would come, Lord, as we surrender to you. We just thank you so much in Jesus name. And everybody said amen.